Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Well, here I am. Welcome to Mother, Rewriting the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am beyond thrilled and delighted to share and be with our guest today, David G. So welcome, David G., to my podcast. It's a joy and an honor to be here, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. So thanks (laughs) for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, I'll share a little bit more about how we connected, but I want to kick it off sharing some highlights from your very extensive bio, because you have just made such a wonderful, beautiful impact on the world. And I want to, just in case some people don't know about you, I like to- I'm sure most people of the 8 billion people on the planet, I'm sure most of them don't have any (laughs) idea who I am. Well, a good number do, because you have taught millions of people around the world to heal their hearts, plant powerful intentions, and manifest their dreams. I love that. Um, Your grasp of time-tested solutions combined with real-world practical applications have helped people at every stage of life and circumstance find balance, heal deep wounds, and transform into their best versions. And I I know that to be true because I heard from people when they found out that you and I got to meet. So we'll We'll talk more about that later, but carrying on um, as a globally recognized mind, body, health, and wellness expert, mindful performance trainer, meditation teacher, and author of several books, Sacred Powers, The Five Step, The Five Secrets to Awakening Transformation, Amazon's bestseller, De-Stressifying, The Real World Guide to Personal Empowerment, Lasting Fulfillment, and Peace of Mind, and Secrets of Meditation, A Practical Guide to Inner Peace and Personal Transformation, which I believe that one was the winner of the Nautilus Book Award. Yes. And, yes. and there's more. Please sit tight because <laughs> I want to name a number of these things because it was so fun um, and obviously hugely inspiring. But you are noted to have created the first 21-day meditation process, which now kind of seems like a household word and, you know, lots of people do it. But you, you led the way with that and having those kind of experiences where you follow along for like, let's let's just start with 20, 21 days. And I also got to experience this referred to as the velvet voice of stillness. And I literally hear your voice when I read about you or I see like one of your meditations, I hear you, which is really cool. Oh, hello, Um, Gertrude. There you go. There it is. (laughs) A prolific creator of guided meditations in the world with more than a thousand guided meditations available on Insight Timer, Daily Ohm, Apple Music, Amazon, Hay House, Spotify, Tidal, and more. And I'll, I'll, I'll want to hear some about your, you know, your your couple of car- careers that led to where you are, but I'll just name that you had a 20-year career in business, finance, mergers, and acquisitions, and shifted that. And I think our audience hearing some about that would be really, really lovely to hear that a bit about that journey. To You went on your own journey, but then you hooked up, I'll say, with Dr. Deepak Chopra and uh, David Simon serving as the Chopra Center 
COO, lead educator, and the first dean of the Chopra Center University, where he trained more than 300,000 people to meditate and certified more than 25,000 meditation teachers. But now, you know, that that was at the Chopra Center. So I don't know if you have yeah. your numbers of what that is now. I stopped, keep, I stopped paying Except attention to numbers. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This is my yeah. 20th year, celebrating my 20th year teaching meditation, certifying teachers to be meditation teachers. And this is my 10th year that I'm like officially on my own. So I've been a, I don't know what you call that, a spiritual preneur or whatever. Yeah. Since 2012. That's when I. Oh, wonderful. So. um, We'll backtrack there. I was going to say one more thing because you, you know, you've worked directly with people, individuals, but also business leaders and particular people in high stress situations. And that's how I met you. Right. Through our mutual friend, uh, Michael Neela, who is the founder and owner of Blue Courage, uh, a law enforcement, um, well, teaching social emotional intelligence, mindfulness, meditation to uh, law officers. And you've been part of their journey, I think, since the start, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, that's where our that's where our meeting came in, because you came down here to Zihuatanejo, Mexico. I was one of those people who had not heard of you before. So you'd be in the majority. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. All these like ways we look at ourselves, but so delighted that we got to spend three days. I got I shared my space and uh, for the meditations for the the group that came down that you were helping support and lead with Michael and Blue Courage. And so I personally now have experienced and I am I am now a huge fan and have spent those three days and much of it has stayed with me. Well, I'll talk about my journey more. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I still think hearing the numbers and hearing some of like the particulars are good, but you know, the journey from your perspective and your eyes, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about some of what I shared and how you got there and what that, how that came to be would be wonderful. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you for being so gracious. You know, pretty much what you did, how you responded to, to Michael Neela. Um, and I, don't, I wasn't part of that conversation, so I, I don't really know, but like, that's like really important metaphor, opening your heart and being generous. And then, you know, uh, magic happens, you know, that's how we, that's how we meet people. That's how we transform. That's how, how we evolve. You know, you, I'm just assuming, you know, Michael and you had a conversation and he said, Hey, I got a bunch of people coming. Um, maybe we could, you know, use this space for our morning sessions or something along those lines. And you could have said, you know what, under any other circumstances, I would definitely do that. But like my daughter's getting married in like mm-hmm. a minute. And um, the last thing I want is to like crowd the space with, with, with this energy um, or to have like moving parts in here. I would like it when she and all my family arrives here in Ziwa, that they can just really just, you know, move into that space and energetically. And, and he would have said, oh, of course, anyone would have said, oh, of course, yeah. you know, what a, you know, gee, how often does your daughter get married? Of course. Yeah. Um, whatever. And instead you said, yeah, bring 30 Sinex cops, <laughs> you know, into my space and um, maybe they'll learn something or, you know, who, who knows what you, you know, I don't even know what that conversation was to tell you the truth, but well, let me, let me par- tell you, I got to, me- I got to be a part of that. And, yes. and, and even once we got there, you were so, so gracious and so, you know, open hearted and so open spaced and so open homed because there's, you know, we let people into our head that we would never let into our home a lot. But, you know, you let all these, you know, all this energy that could have been like, you know, kooky and weird and scary energy, perhaps. And you trusted. um, It turned out to be so, so beautiful. And I think everyone was in withdrawal when we were like, you know, when we're leaving, we're like, no, we want to go every morning to Gertrude's house and and breathe the air and gaze at the ocean and practice yoga and meditate and, you know, all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So, 
Well, I really you know, I just appreciate to share that. Thank you. No, and I appreciate it because it's somewhat of what you said, but I, I'll tell you like really what happened was um so Michael and I, Michael had seen our place a while ago and he said something once like, Oh, well, will you rent it out? And I said, No, we really don't plan on renting, you know, our space. So, you know, we're gonna have retreats there and do stuff, but we not we weren't we're not gonna necessarily rent it. But then oh, this is like probably at least probably a couple of years ago that we had that conversation. And then we're having the wedding. And then he doesn't rent his villa. Like, you know, right. he's not in the rental program, but he was the first to extend. And he said, you know, like if you guys are short of space or anything and you would like to use our villa, um, we, we're more than happy to have you you do that. And it, we weren't in dire straits, but it was nice and helpful. And I, and it really, and then he said, oh, and for a totally different reason, he just was like so excited. Our group's coming down and maybe you can meet everybody or, you know, you're welcome to join in or whatever. And I was like, well, how can I not like offer? And I could have not, right? But I, I was actually his, his first putting out, you know, so generously. Right. It was like I'd really like to do something in return, and you know, I think it could be really cool to have the group here. And I didn't have any. It wasn't like oh, you know. I, I, I had some big debate about it. Right. <laughs> it just seemed like natural to do that. And but what was unexpected, and I said, "Well, do you think I could, you know, hone in and like actually like do the meditations and stuff?" And um, Michael and you all were like, "Of course." But then it ended up being such a beautiful. I mean, I think like what you said, then magic happened, right? Yeah. And people, yeah. it was so lovely. People's response to be in there, yours and um, Mariko. Did I say? Um, now I just realized. Did I say Mariko? Yeah, Mariko. Right? Okay, uh, Mariko and. Michael, I just but, oh. I just met her the same moment you met her. Oh, you did? So you know. Yeah, oh, I, I didn't, didn't know, know that. Yeah. yeah, and 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 Michael's like, oh, I'd like them to see the space before, and I'm like, of course. I'm like, well, you know, I don't know these people, and it's but you seemed really nice. <laughs> I was just intrigued by all the bowls, all the crystal yep. bowls. You know, we had the, a lot of and the statues. Yeah, beautiful. bowls and statues. Beautiful. You have such a you have a beautiful space, and thank you for uh, opening your heart and your space um, to this to this group because I, you know, I've it's not my organization. I'm I'm a part of it. Right. You know, I'm, I'm an advisor and a teacher within it, but um, you know, I don't make any strategic decisions or anything like that. So right. when I showed up and it was like, oh, here's our space. And Michael kept telling me, there's this <laughs> other space, you know, because we were like, hey, we could do everything on the sand. Not a, not a big deal. <laughs> right. We'll do it wherever. Right. You know, and then he just kept saying, oh, no, I think there's a very special place. But like so, you were saying, and then, you know, it's not like give and take in a transactional matter at all, but prosody of goodwill and good faith that I felt lent itself to that's, the energy. I, that's that's right? the thing really that I wanted to point out. You know, this, you know, we're so, especially after COVID, you know, everyone's, you know, we're just a little bit more protective, just a little more um, suppressed or restricted and, um, and constricted. Yeah. And so someone asking for, you know, you to open your heart or open your house or open your space, you know, it's very normal to say, well, you know, I got a lot of stuff going on, but you know, mm -hmm. boundaries, we know how important boundaries yeah. are. In, in this context, energetically, I think the fact that you were, yeah, sure. You know, that's the energy we stepped into. We stepped mm -hmm. into this space, um, you know, that had lovingly been mm -hmm. opened. And I think, you know, we can translate that and I'll, I'll share just a little bit of, of my story because that's, yeah, please. you know, I, I started meditating uh, when I was in college. Um, it was an experimental Asian studies course. There were 12 of us. We sat in a circle. Our Zen master stood in the corner. 
Uh, we were supposed to raise our hands when we had a thought during meditation. In his hand, he carried an 18-inch bamboo stick known as a kesaku. So when we had a thought and raised our hands, he would come over, whack us on the back. And I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, now, of course, if that ever happened to some a student, that would oh be like gosh. a $20 million lawsuit. Oh, um, but back in the day, I just said, ah, I think I'm going to drop this class. I think I'll... <laughs> I think I'll move on after like four weeks. I was like, I got it. But I loved what the meditation was doing to me, you know, to just have that experience and to have, you know, the the beauty of that, to be like, wow, that's so calm. Especially, you know, I was a student in college. So, yeah. was, you know, there's a lot of stress going on there. Sure. And I found this beautiful little, little tool and I continued to, I left that class. I started, I met somebody who was like a candle maker. And so we practiced candle gazing. Then I sort of like left that, started like cloud gazing. And then I stopped that. Someone introduced me to mantra and then... I weaved out of that and someone introduced me to Tantra. And then, you know, like all these different things on mm-hmm. my journey, Vipassana, chocolate tasting meditation, still one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these different types of experiences. And um, some of them I did for, for weeks and some of them for years. And uh, then I got involved in the corporate world, bond trader. And then I moved from that uh, into being a mergers and acquisitions advisor. Yes. I was working on the 82nd floor of Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. And, you know, that was my life pretty much. And I had really very, very aware that as I got more and more involved in the corporate world, I was letting my meditation practice slip away. And ultimately I realized I traded in my morning meditation for an early morning train ride, you know, into the World Trade Center. And I traded in my evening practice uh, for a nice big glass of scotch. And um, like that, meditation really was gone from my life. But I noticed that also so was balance. And I wasn't really loving the work that I did. I was pretty good at it, but I was making a lot of money for other people, not for me, you know, and mm. feeling no fulfillment. You know that concept concept of uh, ikigai. Remind me, because yes, uh, I, why I, am I, I, I ikigai. It's a Japanese concept yeah. for overlaying circles, you know, and where they all converge. That's that's ikigai. Okay. So one circle is, you know, and I'll just back up a little bit. Yeah. It's like when you're like talking about like what's my purpose in life? What am I supposed to be doing here? Where should my time and attention be? You know, the answer is ideally uh, the over lap of these four areas of your existence. So one Mm -hmm. is something that you're really good at. Another one is something that you really like doing or feel fulfillment when you do it. Might not be the same thing. I'm like, I'm like really good at math, but I don't like doing it. (laughs) It's like, I feel it's sort of like, no, don't talk numbers to me because I can crunch them all and I can do all that, but I don't, I don't really want to, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. so that would be an example of something like that. The third component is, uh, does it support others? Can it help heal or serve other people. So now we have like, I like to do it. I'm good at it. And it helps heals and serves other people, you know, sort of like this, your podcast would be yeah. an example of, right. of that. So I totally, I love right? it. And then the, the final component uh, of that is, can you be rewarded in some way? Obviously the West has destroyed this beautiful Japanese concept to make it about, can you monetize it? Right. But you know, it means, you know, can you be rewarded enough of a way so that it's uh, sustainable, right? Because if you love it and you're good at it and it serves others, but you can't afford it. Well, then it stops. Yeah. You know, so you have to figure out, you know, so it's great that, that Elon Musk is sponsoring this podcast because I, you know, other, otherwise <laughs> right. I'm, te- I'm teasing. To cancel clear that just so everybody, you know, just, I was trying to think of like, who's my top billionaire this week? You know, it's yeah, right. um, you know, it's like, could have been Zuckerberg, could have been Warren Buffett, could have been, been Bezos, you know, the list goes on. So, um, but that convergence, if you can find right. something that meets those four things, that's called Ikigai, which translated uh, loose 
Loosely uh, means waking up to joy, right? And so that's why mm -hmm. when people say, well, I've never worked a day in my life because I'm good at it. I love it. It serves others and I get paid, you know, something along mm -hmm. those those lines. Anyway, that was distinctly not my what was going on in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I was good at it. Didn't really feel fulfilled. I uh, didn't really know that I was or helping or serving others. Right. Um, you know, when companies had decided to buy another company, I was the person who came in and said, well, where are the synergies? Where can we, you know, collapse this? or merge that. So, you know, it's horrible existence, at least for me. I've, you know, I'm sure other people well, love it, but it was maybe, a horrible Maybe, I wonder. Yeah. Mm. I guess there would be. It's a horrible thing. You know, someone's, yeah. you know, it's a horrible thing. Well, if a business is not run well, someone's got to come in and say, hey, you need to, you know, tighten up in some way because you're just, you know, if you ran your checkbook like that, you'd be in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. um, we just get the wrong message because our government does that every single day. We're printing billions of dollars and there's no accountability. So, and we're spending it on all the wrong stuff that I don't get, nope. but that's, that's a time for another podcast. Yes, we can um, definitely dive into so, that. Another. So in the wake of 9-11, I'm walking past a row of cardboard boxes that people are living in, in Southern Manhattan. And uh, as I walk past this particular box, a hand reaches out and this guy pulls on my pant leg and pulls me down and peers into my eyes with, with his like really bright blue crystalline eyes. And he says to me, what's going to be on your tombstone? You know, it's a fairly reflective moment, you know, out of nowhere. Nowhere, Which nowhere. you could so blow off, like, oh, you like, right? You of know, course, like, of course. And, then, and we, I call these butterfly moments. Yeah, you know, I could have just blown it off, but in that moment, suddenly everything stopped. Oh. The, there was no sound of traffic. There was no sound of people. It was only my eyes and his eyes. We were like transmitting to each other mm -hmm. silently. It was like this tele, you know, some kind of very, very intense transmission going back and forth between the two of us, you know, without moving our lips and nothing else. And it felt like hours. It was probably, you know, a minute or a couple of minutes. But I staggered away from from that. My heart, you know, was palpitating. Tears were streaming down my eyes. I was hyperventilating. My knees were weak. I had to like, I staggered like 20 feet and then sat down on the stairs of an apartment building right near his box. And uh, I said, like, well, what is going to be on my tombstone? Why am I here? What's this whole thing, you know, about? And so came home that night and told my wife what happened. And she was like, uh, you need to quit your job. Uh, you need to definitely find something that does fill you because you're just, yeah. you're, you know, it's keeping us, you know, paying our bills, but you're miserable. So why would we do that? So she says to me, you know, there's this guy, Deepak Chopra, he's doing a, uh, a meditation retreat in Oxford, England. And I'd never heard of Deepak Chopra. I thought she was talking about um, one of those, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. That's what I thought she was, you know, because I was like, Francis Ford Coppola? Why is he doing a meditation retreat? She goes, not Coppola, Chopra. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't, I, I never heard of him. Anyway, i fairly obedient. I quit my job, headed off to Oxford. No one was flying. It was in the wake of 9-11. Oh, so yeah. no planes were empty, no, if there were planes. And, and they were cheap like, though. Yeah. Well, there was supposed to be like 3,000 people at this event and I got there and there was 50. <gasps> and I was only like one of three people from the United States. Everyone else, you know, was, was pretty sure. local to, to Oxford. A lot of Europeans were there. And mm -hmm. over those, it was a six day kind of thing. And over those six days, I, with nothing else to worry about, I just unplugged from my entire wife, uh, entire life with my wife's blessing. I was, I reconnected to meditation and mm -hmm. meditated and meditated and meditated and meditated. And suddenly, um, like on day three, I noticed that for the first time in a really, really, really long time, maybe 10 years, um, I felt joy mm -hmm. for like for the first time in such a long time. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, joy. I remember that. I sort of, I kind of think I remember that, that emotion, that feeling. Mm -hmm. And um, on like day four, I was like, you know what? I have to like head off in search of the guru. I am like 
Oh, definitely. I am on a journey here. So I went to the U.S. Embassy in, in London and uh, got a visa to go to India and headed off on my own little eat, pray, love kind of journey yeah. without the eating and the love. Just a lot of, just a lot of prayer. <laughs> yeah. And um, searching for the guru. Went up into uh, the Himalayas. Where'd you go? You know, to, yeah. you know, went up north into Dharamsala to see His Holiness the Dalai Lama. He wasn't mm. there that day. Um, cruised down, you know, to the bathed in the Ganges, the incense and practiced yoga and meditated every day and went to all the temples and, you know, perambulated all the temples, prayed and like all sorts of stuff. Sure. Um, I went all the way to the northern tip, all the way to the southern tip, down into Sri Lanka, to Kerala, to Panchakarma. I was there for six months, actually five months. I was going to say, yeah, that's that's a big country and to do that would take a long time. You could spend lifetimes just going to little little pockets of it. Been Um, there twice and one southern, one northern, and we barely saw anything thing, you know, yeah. and two 10 day yeah. trips. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since then I've been taking groups of, of people there. And of course, you know, I, my first trip that I took there was like following the footsteps of my journey. And it was like, you know, 43 cities in eight days, you know, so like all you did was pack and un- so, all you did was pack and unpack, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, there's, the, there's the Taj. Okay. Back in the truck. Okay. Um, there's the Ganges. Let's go swim in it. There's the, there's the <laughs> evening Arti in Rishikesh. There's the Puja, you know? So then I said, uh, let me, let me let's, let's <laughs> take a little those. more. <laughs> more digestible with totally. So, you know, I'm cruising around there. Uh, the, the visa was for six days and I'm on, you know, five, uh, six months and on five months and 28 days, I'm laying in a hammock in a cashew forest in Kerala with these parrots chirping. And I'm just laying there reading the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the ancient texts. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of Bhagavad Gitas lying around here. It's, mm-hmm. I always have Gitas lying around here. This is my, the smallest Gita, I think. You know, oh my gosh. Um, in the world, you know, it's like, just to put it in perspective. I have never ventured into fully reading it. Just just to put it in perspective, it's like the size of my AirPods case. It's tiny. So yeah, I'm reading uh, I'm reading the Gita for like, I don't know, like the hundredth time over those six months. And um, if anyone is going to dabble or venture forth, uh, you know, this, it's like the Bible, like thousands of different translations and different type of angles. I, I recommend two translations. Um, the most poetic and the most beautiful is by Eknath Iswaran, E-K-N-A-T-H, Eknath Iswaran, E-A-S-W-A-R-E-N. Right, and, we'll put um, that in the show And notes, I, make, I, make no, I make no commission from guiding people to Eknath Iswaran. He's no longer with us um, in this physical realm. And another one, a little more devotional, but it's got some amazing mic drop lines, is the one um, by A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. That's called the Bhagavad Gita as it is. It's the mm-hmm. same Gita, but both of these are just like, you know, everyone's got a different translation. The window in, right? A perspective, like certain right, right, drawing out, right. so, highlighting different aspects. Okay, good. Well, those will be in the yeah. show notes. And I'm Yeah, good. So I th- I, I, if, if you care, you know, most people can't even pronounce the Bhagavad Gita, so they have no clue what it is, um, but it was written 300 years ago. And um, let me, I love talking I about thought the it Gita. Was old. I thought it was older than that. Wow. Oh, I'm That's sorry. It's No, 300 BC. Oh, thank you. You said 300 yes. years ago. Yes. I was like, oh, yeah, this I'm is it's older. No, I'm so excited to be with you that I'm just like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. so um, some laying in. In this, some laying yeah. in this hammock, reading the Bhagavad Gita. What's a Bhagavad Gita? So you figure, uh, what are we talking about? 2,300 years ago, uh, the greatest warrior of all time, Arjuna, is on the battlefield, the plains of Kurukshetra. 
Kshetra in like Northwest India. Um, it's like a Hatfields versus McCoys kind of thing. He was supposed to ascend to the throne because his father, you know, is the king and his mother died. And of course, the, the next wife convinces her new husband, oh, she's got four sons and actually, shouldn't they be ascending to the throne? The guy, obviously spineless, says yes. And then the battle begins between all wow. the people who go like, no, this is Arjuna should be our king. He's like the greatest warrior of all time and he's loving and compassionate and, 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 and heart, you know, and these four guys are like the four stooges. They're horrible and mean and, you know, they're like, pick your four worst people that you know of in this oh, no. life and that's, that's them. That's them. And so he finds himself on the battlefield. He's about to lead the battle between the forces of good, we could say, you know, um, against these other forces of evil. Yeah. But as he looks across the battlefield, he's in, he's, he's just in despair. He looks across and he sees the teachers who, who, who taught him, his uh, schoolmate. He sees, you know, relatives who are on the other side of wow. this, who are siding, you know, with his dad's newfound epiphany. And, and he's just, he's got his head in his hands and he's, he is truly at the crossroads, you know? And uh, anybody been there? Anybody here ever yeah. been at the crossroads, yeah. oh, you know, this raising week? Raising my hand, right. yeah. <laughs> right. And so suddenly this sure. dude comes Today. riding up on a, on a chariot, you know, because that was the mode of transport. Dude comes <laughs> riding up on a chariot and he rides right up to Arjuna and says like, which is spelled A-R-J-U-N-A, -A, like Arjuna, but it's mm. Arjuna. And he says, uh, hey, uh, what's going on here? And Arjuna says, oh, dude, you wouldn't believe it. I'm the greatest warrior of all time, but I don't want a warrior. I'm a little, you know, I, I don't want to do this thing that, you know, this goes I'm back to like the, icky, yes, like the icky guy conversation, yeah. right? You know, I can't, it's, uh, my heart is, it's absolutely not in it. And the charioteer says, hmm, all right, well, I'm the greatest charioteer of all time. And I've got 5,000 soldiers behind me. So I'll give you a choice. You could either have me. And if you choose me, the 5,000 soldiers will go over to the other side. Or uh, if you you know, want, you can choose my soldiers. You'll get the 5,000 soldiers and I'll go over to the other side. And Arjun is like, listen, I don't need more soldiers. I need clarity. And uh, the charioteer says, Phew. Well, that's a good choice because I'm God. And so this is like the original conversations with God. You know, Neil Donald Walsh yeah. wrote that book, Conversations yeah, yeah. with God. This is the original conversations with God. You know, Gandhi read it every day. Einstein read it every day. Thoreau read it every day. Emerson read it every day. You know, it's a it's a, it's a a deep look into the, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Dharma and karma and, and life and death and what we should be doing and mm -hmm. what represents our duty. And should I be an activist or a pacifist? And how attached should I be to my actions and how shall I love my life and how do I merge with divine with the divine, which is really what your podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. It's really about awakening the divine feminine energy that is the most creative and most magnificent energy on the planet. And this is, you know, here's Arjuna, you know, track struggling at the crossroads. Yeah. And so 18, it's 18 chapters where they just sit and chat about, you know, oh. who, who are you and, and why are you here and what are you supposed to be doing and, and what's your duty? And, you oh. know, um, how shall we spend our days and how will we um, connect? to something bigger than us. I mean, it's so, 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 so powerful. Anyway, so I'm hanging out in this, in this Kashi forest in Kerala, you know, reading the Bhagavad Gita. And I've read chapter two. Chapter two is all about action, a karma. And so, you know, suddenly, you know, I read chapter two, verse 47, which essentially translated is, we have total control over our own actions and no control over the fruit of those actions. And yet we spend so much time in the fruit. 
So it's like so, so, so powerful because Arjuna says to to God in the form of Krishna, like, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to live my life? How am I supposed to walk through the world, God? And God replies in chapter two, verse 48, and this is the lightning bolt that hit me, yoga sta kuru karmani, which essentially means establish yourself at the present moment Mm. and then perform action. Essentially get still and then be brilliant. Step into Mm. your power, own your impact, but get still first, you know, because we knee jerk our way into so many different things and blurt out stuff and we get defensive and knee jerk and we get triggered and like, you know, all all that stuff. So I don't know, I've read that line hundreds and hundreds of times and suddenly, but when I read it in that moment, I was like, yes, that's how I want to live my life. I want to just take a breath before I speak. I want to just get still before I act. I want to just like compose myself. Let me actually pull back the bow before I fire it. And that was just like everything in my life changed in in that moment. It was like another butterfly moment. And, yeah. And I was like, ooh, 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 that's it. I, so I raced home as if you could race from Kerala. Like yeah. race to the bus stop and it took like, <laughs> right. two days for the bus to come. And then the bus took two days to get to the airport in Mumbai. And then I had to wait like another 28 hours. And then the flight's 28 hours. So that's, I raced home. Right. Um, and when I got home, uh, all I did was meditate. I just meditated mm. day in, day out. Meditate like eight hours a day. Meditate in the morning, meditate for lunch. Meditate, you know, whatever. And so my friends were, you know, they were worried about me because that's all I did. And they were like, hey, you want to go out? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to sit here and meditate. So um, they have the intervention and they said, dude, all you do is sit around and meditate. And I was like, I know. Isn't it amazing? And they're like, mm, no, even you have been telling us about that yoga stakuru karmani thing. You got to get still. Right. And then, then step into your power. You got to act. Yeah. You got to do the thing. You know, you can't, you know. So these ancient teachings don't tell us just to be pacifists. No. They tell you, you have the obligation to act. So we all need to use our platform, uh, use our platforms to, to raise the vibration of and, and point out social injustice and point mm-hmm. out sustainability issues and point out like all the issues that are, that are really existing in our world. Um, we have that. That's our job. Yeah. That is absolutely our job because a lot of times we think, oh no, I'm supposed to just sit around, go into the cave and just well, sit around and what, meditate. Yeah, that's what we've been taught to believe holy people do, you know? Right, and exactly, that, exactly. And, and we call what, this, you know, we call the spiritual bypassing. Yeah. You know, because like, yes, we need to get still, but we need to, See need to what sit comes down. Sh- right. We need to sit down so we can rise up. You know, that's really, you know, what it, what it comes down to. And so my friends did like a little mini intervention on me them. and they were like, you dude, have, those are real friends, is, right? right? They were like, you know, it's great. All right. You haven't worked in a year. All you do is sit around and meditate. I go, I got really good credit. I have no cash, <laughs> but I've, I have really good credit. And they go, well, it won't be good for long if you just yeah. keep, you know, using, tapping that credit card. And they said, you know, your uh, pal Deepak, he's got like a center in California, you know, and I was living in New York and, uh, like, why don't you go out there and you can get like certified as a meditation teacher? And I and I remember saying, listen, I don't care about, I'm from Queens. I don't care about anyone else's meditation, you know? And they said, well, okay, fair enough. But if you, you know, let's not talk about altruism here, but if you really want to learn something, learn to teach it, you know, that's how you become an expert. Oh, good the, angle. These are good thing. friends. Wait, yeah, so, yeah. Right? Oh, they yanked me out of my- Or allies, I should my... call them. Sometimes it's more the yeah. ally than friend. Yeah, but... support system. I think it's really yeah. important that we should always surround ourselves with people who don't necessarily 
necessarily agree with us, because I think we can learn a lot from people who don't agree with us, yeah. but we must surround ourselves with people um, who are rooting for us to succeed. Mm -hmm. Even if you're related to them, if they're not rooting for you to succeed, move on. Yeah, Life's too short. We're all going to die. You know, we're all going to die. And you're going to like spend time with someone who's rooting against you. Yeah, we, don't, we, you know, we don't need to do that. So anyway, so I was like, okay, fine. So I head out to California to this, you know, to get certified. I didn't know it, but that, that one week retreat that I did in Oxford counted as like, oh. you know, criteria credit. To, be, yeah. to be acted as credit for me being a teacher. And then uh, I, so I, I went out to the Ayurveda immersion, the five-day Ayurveda immersion in Carlsbad, California. And I figured I'd get out there. It'll be another thousand people. I get out there. There's 30. What? There's 30 people. And I'm like, whoa, um, what happened to everyone? And, you know, Deepak and David Simons, you know, the, these partners, they're like, well, people haven't been responding so well since 9-11. And I was like, I call BS on that. I said, they said, what do you do? Why are you an expert? I go, I, I turn around businesses. That's what I do. I, t I teach people. People to turn around companies and they were like all right do you want to be the coo and i'm like okay i said i'm going to go back to new york i'm going to tell you what to do i'll call in each week you know you'll tell i'll give you a little report card and you'll tell me how how you did and deepak was like no you got to breathe the air here you got to stay here ah. i said okay i'll stay here when do i start and and I never left. Well, I did leave yeah. six months later to to fly back and and drive my my truck back and all my stuff because I had gone for a, you know a four day event. You know, I had a right. suitcase of and course. some clothes. Yeah, carry on, so, probably right. Right, right exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was pretty hysterical. And um, so I became the COO, and um, about forty five days we were able to turn that business, yeah. you know, into into a positive positive trajectory, and. Um, then I became the lead educator because I was teaching meditation every single day. Mm -hmm. And then I became uh, the dean of Chopra Center University. And I was like, okay, you know, this goes back to you, Gertrude, saying yeah. yes. When yes. Michael Neela said, how about us coming? You know, there wasn't a question they asked me that I didn't say yes to. Right. They're like, how much should we pay you? I said, you can't pay me what I know I'm worth. How about I work for free for the first six months? And they were like, done. <laughs> so, so, you know, I found an environment where there was zero barrier to, to entry. Yeah. You know, and here I am 20 years later. And meanwhile, I've, you know, run that certified, you know, thousands of people, uh, been able to really help people uh, with their, with their recovery, with their, with their healing, uh, with their heart healing, with their physical healing. Yeah. Um, Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish, it's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go, it's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. 
I bring it, you know, we, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone, I will be honest. You know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Well, I, this is where I want to chime in there because, well, first of all, thank you because I read, you know, the, I don't know if it's in all your books, but I read it, your story, you know, and your, it's on the website this, but hearing it from you, I literally was laughing, crying and all over the place. Thank you for sharing it and, and bringing all of that because I think there's, well, there's so many pieces and I'd love to unpack it, but I, just with what you were just saying, you know, I've, you know, through this, this work and putting myself out there now, now being, you know, not just sitting in my, in my apartment in Queens, um, meditating, which, you know, energetically, like, I guess I I've always felt like monks, you know, people that meditate in caves their whole life, like are serving a purpose of some sort, but, you know, because they're putting out positive energy, but directly serving people and turning them on and, and enlightening them and bringing them someplace. Um, I shared this with you, but I want to, it was one of the things I said, oh, I wonder if, you know, you would be on my podcast, particularly in mothering, because I had a woman reach out when I posted that you were at our place. And actually I had a meeting, she was in a meeting I was in that week. She literally teared up and said, I can't, it's so amazing. You got to be with David G. He literally got me through postpartum depression. And she said, I don't tear up easily, you know, or say something like that. But that's just really hitting me remembering that right now. Now, I didn't ask her details like, well, how, you know, what did he do? How did he do that? Um, but I'm getting with what you're saying that it, it it isn't a formula. It's she made the choice to tune into you. You had made the choice. You were giving, you know, you were putting yourself out there, what you know, your, you know, your velvet voice or whatever it was that, uh, you know, she was able to tune into to turn things around for herself. And I'd say that's a pretty awesome exchange, right? And maybe yes. money was exchanged somewhere in there. Maybe she bought Insight Timer meditation. I don't even know, you know? It's free. Um, it's free. <laughs> it's free, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> And your response was lovely. You're like, thank you, because, you know, we don't always know the impact we're making. And right. I, and we're not doing it to, like, get lots of accolades necessarily, but it is nice to get those nods from the universe periodically. It's like, oh, yeah, like, 
that's why I'm doing this is, uh, you know, I, I made this impact on that one woman um, that got her through a really incredibly challenging time. So I'm thanking you for, for her, but also for me. And it made me think about women and mothers and the stress that they're under and the stress they've been under. And when I was in India, um, this was in the 2000s, 2008, 2009, I went, I was with a group and, you know, we were meeting with, you know, some yogis, some masters, some, uh, I can only, uh, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar is the only one I can remember. Like, I just don't hold their names all that well. So, um, but some really lovely, lovely people. And when we could ask questions, you know, people would ask like, well, I'm, this is my mission in life. You know, what would you say, like, you know, to help me guide me or something like that? Yoga and meditation. Yeah. Like didn't say much beyond that yoga and meditation. <laughs> we, we started laughing about it. It's like, well, I guess that's the go-to answer, but it's that powerful without bypassing. So I just said a lot. There was the thank you. There was the you know, how do we touch this? And there's- yeah, well, it's so accessible. And yeah. yes, there's a whole bunch of, you know, I'm a fan of, of all the various meditation apps, but this is also a no equipment necessary. You know, I would love to just share, you know, before we proceed any further, I would love to just share like, just, you know, like, like a basic tool that I've, that Please. I shared with, I was hoping with, we do that. with, that I would sh share with people, you know, uh, when I'm traveling in, in an airport, I share with, you know, whenever I'm teaching. Um, and that's what I spend my time doing. Spend my time uh, teaching. Teaching to high, I would, I would call them high risk people. So whether it's kids in schools, whether it's homeless, um, whether it's cops, whether it's people in high pressure jobs and, and situations, you know. And, you know, this is like, I get a lot of, you know, interesting feedback because I work with the cops and people are like, how, how could you? you know, you who've dedicated your life to fairness and, and social justice, like how in the world can you work with cops? And I'm like, okay. And the alternative is we exactly nothing. Right. So um, I've worked with Marines. I'm a pacifist. I'm, you know, I'm not pro-war, um, but like these people are wounded. They're damaged. They're, they're so stressed out. Uh, especially cops, you know, have an average lifespan of five years from date of retirement, and they're not retiring in their 80s. You know, um, their kids' highest suicide rate of any profession's children. You know, um, so I want to do what I can to help these people take a breath, de-escalate, right. heal some of their emotional wounds. You know, and things you know along those lines. And so this is also a technique that I have shared with thousands of cops over the years. Um, but you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll share this with us. Please. And if you, and if the list, if you're, if you're listening and you're like, I've got an issue with cops. Okay. Just let the cops go. Right. We're right. talking about, <laughs> we're talking about us. There's only a million right. cops in the United States. Anyway, that might seem like a lot. It is a lot, but like, we don't, we don't have to go there. That's another podcast. Mm. So, <clears throat> but well, we are dealing, beautiful. you know, you and I are dealing with our day to day where we're making assumptions that are wrong, where we're holding on to grudges and grievances sometimes for decades, mm -hmm. uh, where we take stuff personally, where we were not necessarily impeccable with our word, where we, you know, specifically, intentionally tried to hurt someone. And then as the words were coming out of our mouth, we're like, oh no, I can't even, I wish I could stop these words from coming out, but they are coming out. And then what do we do with that? Never sleep for the rest of our lives? You know, this goes on and on and on and on. So here's a technique that you can use in any situation. So Think about something that's been irritating you over the last couple of days. Don't go too deep. This isn't therapy. Mm -hmm. 
you know, just an irritation, a bother. Someone said they were going to do something. They didn't. Something was supposed to happen. It didn't unfold the way you anticipated. Maybe you could even see a face with that disappointment or irritation or perturbance. And now close your eyes. And through your nose, take a long, slow, and deep breath in. And watch that breath as it goes down into your belly. And when it gets there, hold it there. Hold that breath in your belly and watch it. Observe it, witness it. And now release that breath and watch it as it moves up your belly, up your chest, through your throat, out your nose or mouth. Keep exhaling, keep watching it, keep witnessing it. Keep observing that breath as it dissipates into the ether. And now breathe normally and open your eyes. And that was about 16 seconds. And if you were playing along, I know that you, Dr. Gertrude Lyons, were playing along. Um, But if our listeners were playing along, then they were not thinking about that thing I just asked you to think about. So imagine, I didn't say stop thinking about the thing, but in that 16 seconds, you are not in the past. You are not in the future. You were fully present. And I never said, okay, get fully present here. So we learned three things. Number one, we learned that we can direct our thoughts anywhere we want in any moment. And I'm not telling you to run from your thoughts. I think it's really important to sit with some of our real Mm -hmm. trauma and pain and, and let it ooze out of our heart. But just so you know, we can adjust and redirect our attention whenever we want. And this is an ancient teaching going to back 2,000 years to, to Patanjali, going back 2,600 years to, to the Buddha. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Number two, uh, we learned one of like the, what we did was introduce a pattern interrupt, a break in the action, mm-hmm. sort of like a time in we just introduced. We can do that anytime and we have the ability in many, many ways. If suddenly you're in a very, very heated conversation, you can always say, I have to go to the bathroom. Um, you know, there's, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of ways we can create a pause, right. yes. a, you know, a pattern interrupt. And without having to run to the bathroom, certainly just breathing in and watching that breath to the count of four, holding that breath in your belly as you watch it and witness it to the count of four, releasing that and observing it and then continuing to let that breath go, you know, for about four seconds. This is all just about four seconds, you know, breathe for four, hold for mm-hmm. four, let go for four, and hold that out for four. Uh, some people refer to that as box breathing. The, the Navy SEALs do that, and Army Rangers and Marines. Um, but what they don't do is watch the breath. That's what yeah, we did. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was By so putting our me. attention onto the actual activity, we were fully present with that. So box breathing, we know, lowers your pulse and slows you down. This brings you into the present moment. It's a guarantee. And we just, you know, think of all the different pattern interrupts. Um, It happens on TV. You're watching TV and they have a commercial. That's a break in the action. That's a pattern interrupt. You know, just so many. There used to be in in movies, there used to be like an intermission. That was, yes, it was to force you to buy stuff in the the lobby. But these are all pattern interrupts, breaks in the action. And we now know that most of us sit staring at a screen for hours and hours and hours. But we now, you know, then most recent neurological evidence really is that after 45 minutes, you're not any better. Everyone should stop at the 45 minute mark. Even if you're just going to walk around your desk, stop, you know, breathe, close your eyes, stretch out, walk around your desk, plop back down and then, and then work for the next 45 minutes. But we benefit by introducing a pattern interrupt. Our brain actually works better. We've all been watching TV or watching a movie and I watch a lot of TV. I'm a big, I'm a professional streamer. And so we, 
you know, we'll be watching something and it's like, oh, 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 actor, it's that guy who is in that thing. And then someone says, hey, you want some popcorn? And you turn your head just for a moment and mm -hmm. unplug from the screen. And you go, yeah, I love popcorn. And you're like, you know, so as you eat, it's like, oh yeah, Ray Liotta. We know you know, because, because what happens are, are the way our brain works, it actually uh, works better if we can pull away from trying, trying, I'm trying to remember, trying to remember, trying to remember. If we can, you know, pull back all those synapses, pull back because they're not really connecting and then they connect like in a groove, you know, um, more seamlessly. So we know that, you know, that's the second one, introduce a pattern, interrupt. And the third thing we learned. And that can be just thinking about something different, right? Does it have to be doing anything, something? anything, no, right? No, like anything. I, I can be on this track and I just like, oh, uh, the sky is blue, you know? Right, it, right. Exactly. Oh, no, okay. we can, we absolutely get to introduce our own pattern interrupts, whatever they are. You know, one of the, one of the, you know, big ones that I write about was like, it was a big football game in the San Francisco 49ers. And there was like, you know, a minute left on the clock. It was the Super Bowl. They were losing. And Joe Montana had them on like the five yard line and they had to go 95 yards all the way down the field. And they were all freaking out. And everybody was like resigned to losing. And suddenly Joe Montana says to, they're in the huddle. And he goes, hey, look, it's John Candy, the comedian. And everyone stopped, turned around, looked at John Candy. And they all start, you know, giggling. And then they come back into the huddle. And he leads them down the field and, you know, it's a famous Super Bowl story and then they win the Super Bowl and like I whatever, but just classic breaks in the action, whatever, whatever we can do. Suddenly, suddenly a song coming on the radio yeah. can be that or the phone ringing. You know, we don't take advantage enough of these pattern interrupts, these breaks in the action, but they're actually very nourishing and healing for our, for our neurology. And the third thing we learned, and this is a secret of meditation, the object of your attention. Anyone can meditate under any circumstances as long as you have an object of attention. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a cloud. It could be a, 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 a wall socket. It can be somebody's eyeball. It can be a candle. It can be a mantra. It can be your breath. It can be anything. But as long as you have the object of attention, because our attention span is about five seconds. I think, you know, like we're, we're like goldfish. Yeah. I think goldfish is eight seconds. Ours is five seconds. We, mm -hmm. we might have a longer memory than a goldfish, but we are, you know, I remember waiting in line for two hours at the Louvre to see, you know, the, um, Mona the Mona Lisa with my dad. We waited for two hours outside online. We finally get in there. And I remember within five seconds of me staring at the Mona Lisa, I was like, is she smiling? Is she <laughs> frowning? Where was the Mona Lisa? Why would the Mona Lisa be in the Louvre? Why? We waited for two hours and so, suddenly within, f within five, I think it was eight seconds, yeah. I was already had moved on from the Mona yeah. Lisa that I was staring at. <laughs> you know, so we know object of attention, we're going to drift away. And so that's why, you know, people think, oh, just give them the special mantra and they'll go deep. And it's like, mm, no, within eight seconds, you will drift away to thoughts or sounds or physical sensations. But if you know, it's like, it's okay to have thoughts. Thoughts mean you're alive. You know, no thoughts, flatlining. So mm -hmm. thoughts are good. Thoughts are good. And so if we drift away and we have something to drift back to, and that's really what meditation is. It's a gentle drifting back and forth. So we don't beat ourselves up when suddenly we find ourselves going. You don't get oh, whacked yeah. on the back with a stick. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? So many meditation, you know, I love we do that so many meditations. I'm like thinking about the super, I'm in the, I'm in the supermarket. 
I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to get those avocados, a little lime, a little lemongrass, mint up a little onion, have some guacamole, pop in some garlic there. You know, this is in the middle of my meditation. And suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm in the supermarket. I think I'll ever so gently drift back to <laughs> right. the object of my attention, whatever that is. So I think everyone can do it. It's accessible to everyone. Mm. And the reason that people don't meditate more is because they haven't found the style that works mm. for them. Some people, they want to chant something in a foreign language. Some yeah. people, they just want to, to, to go over and over and over and over repeating the name of their God, whether it's, you know, Hail Mary or Ave Maria or um, Jesus is my Lord and Savior or Shalom or Allah oh, Akbar or, you know, Alhamdulillah. You know, we can go on and on with, with what that is. Uh, or peace, you know, mm. my name is peace or Satnam, you know, so we can go in so many different directions. And, and I think, you know, waking up to start your day with a trajectory of stillness and silence allows us to move through the day with greater grace and greater ease. If you could just practice that 16 seconds, do that four times, it's a minute, do it 20 times, it's five minutes. That's like a real technique. Yeah. I've trained people who you would never expect these people to be meditating. And they do that for like 25 minutes every morning. And they, they are, you know, very, very busy people. And prior to that, they were like, you don't understand. I run this giant company. You don't understand. I'm a Marine. You don't understand. I'm waking up at 4.30 and, and running 10 miles. You don't understand. It's like, I get it. Right. I get, I, I understand it all. What do you choose? Do you want to choose to live a life where you're clearer and have less brain fog? and sleep better at night and are more patient with your relationships and are a, little, are a better listener and more compassionate and um, have a, a greater understanding of why you're here and what your purpose is in life. There are people who are like too busy for that. Right. There are people, there, we, there's trillions of dollars of people taking drugs to just to have that. And we have no equipment necessary. Well, it's, it's the spell we're under, right? That we think that we, we've been taught to believe, or it's been wired in us that like we can't or won't, but I think, and that's what I've, I loved from the time I was with you was, were those concepts like, make it easy, make it comfortable, do what works yeah. for you. You know, yeah. like if, if we, if, if we think it's going to be something, Oh, I got to go do that thing, which is kind of my relationship right now with cold plunging. Um, but it, Mine too. <laughs> yes. but I just, does feel good when you're done. Um, but it doesn't, you know, there's other things you could do. If I chose not to do cold plunging, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it, that meditate, if you want to lay down, if you want to sit up, you don't have to be uncomfortable. You know, let's comfort is queen. Comfort yeah. is queen. We need to always keep moving towards comfort and, you know, cold plunging, you know, it's, it's great. And it's certainly very, very trendy now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, meditation's been going on for about 5,000 years. Yeah, so probably it's got, before it's, that. As we don't we have know, to right? Right, we don't have to defend it. It's been doing pretty fine on its own. Right, but and I like you say, said, it doesn't cost anything and you can do right. it, which is, you know. Right, right. So we have the ability um, to start our day with meditation and to have another one in the afternoon. So for all the people who are like, oh, you don't understand, I, the last thing, I, I got to walk my dog. I got to feed my cat. I got to chug my Nespresso. Like, oh, I, okay, I get that. So how about this for all, you, for all you excuse makers out there? The second meditation of the day, for, for those of us who are not crisis meditators, mm -hmm. the second meditation of the day, this is like the afternoon, sometime between noon and six, ideally before dinner. Sit for five minutes 
And just as you breathe in, silently repeat let. And as you breathe out, silently repeat go. Just do that. It's the let go meditation. It's such a catharsis. We're talking five minutes. And you might say, well, what's that going to do? Well, here's how we've been living our life. We absorb, absorb, absorb all this stuff. We take stuff personally. We have grudges and grievances, disappointments, stubbed toes. And then we come into dinner time and we pretty much then vomit that all over anyone that we're having dinner with. Like, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. At eight o'clock, someone cut me off. At 10 o'clock, the copier got jammed. At one o'clock, my email went down. At three o'clock, the Wi-Fi show, you know, like all we're doing is like, whining and complaining. Don't we want to instead sit down with our loved ones or anyone that we're having dinner with? Because they're all going to die. We're all going to die. Everybody's Mm going to die. And instead we're like, oh my God, we're getting to have dinner. I love you so much. I'm so grateful to be here with you. Wouldn't that be a better dinner time conversation? So if we could have a process where we would let go whatever Mm -hmm. we've absorbed over the course of the day. And if you do it, you know, consistently, I'm not letting go of today when I do it. I'm letting go of like last week. I'm actually working on like 2014 because I'm showing up every single day and letting go and letting go and letting go. And even if you say, yeah, but I I meet with a therapist every week. Okay, that's once a week. This is every day. Every day. And meditation is always about consistency, not duration. And there have been powerful studies on Mm -hmm. the brain. Many great studies by Dr. Sarah Lazar who's um, got one foot in the University of Mass, Mass General, uh, and another foot in the Harvard Business School, Harvard Medical Center world. Um, And she has done so many amazing studies, and it really was her landmark 2012 study where she had 16 test subjects, 56 days. They were told to just meditate. They had MRIs of their brain before, during, and after the 56 days, we're talking about less than two months. And at the end of these eight weeks, which is what 56 days is, I should just back up for a minute and say that from the age of 20 to 29, our brains are at their peak. Mm. And our hippocampus, which is uh, the part of our brain responsible for learning, memory, and spatial orientation, hand-eye coordination, it's at its peak. Around 28, it starts to get thinner and thinner and thinner. And that's why people you know, forget what they're saying or have senior moments or whatever you want to call that. So from the age of 30, your hippocampus is, the gray matter of your hippocampus is shrinking. All right. So fast forward to this study. Mm -hmm. So this study, at the end of the 56 days, every single person in the study, when their hippocampi, I guess that's the plural of hippocampuses, when their hippocampi were analyzed and they should be getting thinner, 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 thinner. All of them, all 16, unanimously experienced an increase of more than 5% of the gray matter of their hippocampus. Wow. We're talking about in less than two months. It's a powerful study. When this study was going on, Sarah Lazar was like, anybody else want in on this? Because this is going to be the landmark one. And even Yale was like, oh, we weren't going to be on it, but here's a few million. We'll we'll be in on this one too. And so- Imagine that. They also, every single person, uh, their amygdala, which is the part of the brain responsible for um, anger and fear and anxiety, that shrunk by more than, the gray matter shrunk by more than 5% uh, over those 56 days. So two things that can't happen. They're not supposed to happen. The natural aging process, they work the opposite way. And in under two months, 
just by showing up and meditating. These people were supposed to just watch their breath for 30 minutes, and then it was later revealed that some of them were phoning it in. So the average was actually 22 minutes. Oh. So 22 minutes a day, you can change the physical structure of your brain. So it's not like they, they were meditating all day. They just did no, consistently no. and were tracked. Wow. 22 minutes a day for 56 days. Just like that meditation that I have on, on Insight Timer, yeah. the, which is a 56-day, I suggest to people, it's called deep healing, and it's free. And I suggest yeah. do it for 56 days, clinically, scientifically proven to change the physical structure of your brain. Like, how cool well, is that? I, because I, I wanted to make sure people knew all of these ways. So you just gave us beautiful nuggets. I'm sitting here like from the beginning of the conversation, you know, this whole uh, reciprocity, you saying yes to being on my podcast, which I was so grateful for. I feel so given to, these are all things sitting here in this moment, you know, in my life um, at the moment, even though, you know, those moments in January have been really significant going forward. So now these are all things, you know, that I'm applying to my life and I want to make sure you know, that the the busy moms, you know, are, they put themselves in this category of cops and people under duress and stress, right? Because they are. We're also, I have been uh, a major excuse maker, like I can't find five minutes a day um, or 20 minutes right. or, and that, you know, going to Target when you're, or your self-care isn't, isn't self-care. It's, it's running an errand, you know, it's taking care of business that needs to, that needs to happen. So, I'm seeing application all over the place, but I guess I just want to say thank you most personally to myself, <laughs> but that's why I love doing a podcast because we could have this conversation. It would impact me, you know, me being with you impacted me, but now a lot more people get to hear it. Right. And, right. and that's sick. And that 16 second, I breathe differently because of that. And I've, you know, have had various meditation training. I've, I've trained in breath work, you know, there's, and just right. there's always something new that I can be learning or a way to hear it and do it because I've never really tracked my breath down to my belly. Like I'll belly breathe. And that has been having an impact, you know, a very significant positive one. I wasn't, and now I'll take that as an interrupter or as something that brings me to the moment. I wasn't even holding it that strongly. So I get to, right. you know, now take it further. <clears throat> and you know, if you do that breathing um, with uh, using like ujjayi breath, which is that breath where you sort of like, everyone knows how to like fog the mirror, hold up your hand and, and fog the mirror. And if you yeah. do that with your mouth closed, you know, it's just like, feels like forcing a breath out, but it's really just breathing with a little constriction in your throat, in and out. Um, that's called ujjayi breath, mm -hmm. which translated from the Sanskrit, that means, you know, victory breath. And so I like that. Um, if you are, if you can, ideally we want to practice 16 seconds to clarity. I used to call it 16 seconds to Ananda, but then I started teaching it at like Camp Pendleton to Marines. And they were like, who's Ananda? What's Ananda? I'm like, <laughs> then it, well, I was like, uh, well, it's 16 seconds to bliss. They're like, mm, that's really not mm -hmm. our style. I go, how about 16 seconds to clarity? They're like, I like yes, that one. I need a tactical, clear head, right? tactical breathing. Um, so when mm. I can't do it with my eyes closed, because you don't want to do this at the table, 
you know, the dinner table, the well, meeting, so, the know, board you, meeting, at, right at the board meeting. <laughs> um, you know, it's just so, you know, so do it with your eyes open. No one at the meeting is going to go, wait a second. Are you using that 16 seconds technique? But um, so what I do when I'm by myself is I use Ujjayi breathing because that also that vibration of it's really so soothing for our vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. which is the nerve that's connected to like everything from your autonomic nervous system. And that prevents us from suddenly, you know, reacting or knee jerking or fight flighting from a moment. And if I'm at the, um, a meeting or the dinner table, I do the exact mm-hmm. opposite. I call it like ninja breath. It's also referred mm-hmm. to as quiet, continuous breathing. <laughs> it's so slow through my nose. And when you go so slow, like really, really slow and silent, so no one can hear it, you can fill, you can go like inhale to the count of like 20 and it slows you down. Suddenly the world comes at you a little bit slower and you're a little less reactive. Recommendations, a couple of breathing, well, it's all breathing. I, nobody, I, nobody breathes enough on this planet. I know, right? Or, well, I think maybe I read this also, I can't remember, but being trained in dynamic breath work, I was aware that, yeah, somehow we lost the belly breathing and we breathe from our chest, which is a state of fear. We're, we're constantly fear-based breathing as if we're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, which we're not. You know, we might be in a st- stressful situation sometimes, but we don't need to live that way, right? right? And I think that's also the benefit of what you're talking about is that we can shift that and we are going to feel more peaceful. We are going to have more clarity. Like the word, you know, it. I have, and I am now... I just decided as we're sitting here and I'll, I'll report back somewhere uh, to someone uh, that I'm going to tell my husband that he and I are both going to do the 56 day um, meditation. And, yeah. and cause he, we've, you know, we both know it's good for us. We both do it periodically right. at various times had some consistency and I felt the difference. Right. So this is uh, for me a big call and I hope everyone who's listening takes it and, Prize it, and whether you haven't tried it yet, like rewind the podcast and do it again, or go to your website. You you have so much free stuff. Like there's no, there's you know it's wonderful, and so many ways that you can just tune in for a little bit or a longer time. I mean, time erased when you did the meditations uh, here, and some of I mean I was I had deep healing from those meditations. I, I would have thought they were 10 minutes and it was like 45 minutes or an hour. Like I had no time just was gone. And yes, we need to plan the time for it. But as far as feeling like when you're in it, like, oh, this is taking forever. Like that just is never the case because right. we, we get to get there. So um, I, I want to keep talking. So this is really hard for me, but uh <laughs> In, I hope you come back. I hope we can do this again because we we already yeah, tagged like to. five other topics that I'd love to get into. Um, mm-hmm. But for now, if you wouldn't mind telling the listeners, and it'll be in the show notes, just maybe a couple of favorite ways or the current way or something you'd like people to tune into specifically right now as a way to uh, be in connection with your work. And then I have one last question. Well, um, you can follow me pretty much everywhere. I've recorded like 18 albums. It's up to like 1700 
individual guided meditations. Mm -hmm. um, your starting point can be davidg.com, D-A-V-I-D-J-I.com. And um, I do stuff in person. I do stuff, a lot of stuff virtually. Mm -hmm. um, but I like to do them both. You know, I yeah, was doing a lot of virtual stuff before the pandemic. And so nothing really changed there at all. Right. But I love, um, you know, there's just something about, you know, being in so someone's uh, energy. Um, I and I do so. most of my uh, experiences uh, in San Diego. I'm, I'm, I'm a resident of San Diego. Which I love. Never left. <laughs> it's no Ziwa and it's no New York City, but no. it's, it comes close. It has close. its own magic. It definitely right, it's has its, its own, own magic. Its own, its own energy. So if you'd like um, to tap into my free uh, guided meditations, uh, tons on my site. Um, I also do uh, meditation teacher training for people That's who want to say like, that... level up their practice. Mm -hmm. And um, and do you have to? Is there like a yeah. prerequisite for that? Do you have to have been consistently meditating to do no, this for I want myself? The exact actually, <laughs> I I want the opposite. I want people yeah. who don't have a lockdown thing, and then they're like, oh, I was able to actually lock it down, create this beautiful thing because you know everyone's got imposter syndrome. Yes. So. Um, that's, that's one of the that's one of the things um the journey there's a lot of reading there's a lot of study you know it's not it's not you can't it's not a drive-through it's not you yeah. can't phone it in um but no all you have to have is an open heart and the desire to take your life to the next level and then it's like all right you you meet the Here criteria we go. yeah no I've, I've learned along the way that learning to teach it is some of the best ways to learn it for yourself right right um, okay. So last question is, you know, the, the basis and so much of what we talked about today was breaking beliefs and breaking through wiring and what we can and can't do. So my platform is called rewriting the mother code. Uh, what, what does that mean to you? Or what would you say rewriting the mother code means to you? Well, I believe that we were born pure and whole and someone like me who grew up in a, a fairly violent household, and um, did not get the, the greatest amount of guidance, but I'm carrying that DNA. Um, I believe that each of us can decide to be rebirthed every single day. And that doesn't mean blow up everything that existed before, but it means, you know, same thing with the ancestral healing. We get to absolutely let go and end the cycle of stuff that doesn't nourish at the same time, like, the stuff that's good, we get to elevate that. And yeah. so I think we get to, you know, release and lean in, release and lean in. And that's, you know, that's evolution. So for, for me, it's awakening our divine feminine energy, which is the most powerful energy in the universe, created yeah. the solar system, created the galaxies. It's just it's, that. We would call that just that, <laughs> right? Um, and so, and it's hard, and it's inside of us, yes. and it's mostly dormant. It's mostly sleeping. Mm -hmm. So, rewriting the mother code to me means, you know, awakening that magnificent divine feminine that's resting inside each one of us, and giving ourselves permission to loosen your grip on what's holding you back, which mm -hmm. can be pretty extensive and traumatic, and and big. Yeah. Um, that's why just, just start by loosening your grip. You don't have to let go. Letting go can right. be too scary, but then, you know, leaning in just a little bit into, um, 
your superpowers into the stuff that is residing inside of you and own it you know own mm-hmm. that let's not let's let's phone let's phone nothing in my you know my my father-in-law just just died right before you know like yeah. a week two weeks before we we connected yeah. and the thing about him was like he never phoned anything in oh. and so i am you know i'm i'm committed to um like that's one of the most amazing things that he you know um power of his ripple bringing that into the world and so i want to share that with as many people as as possible like don't phone stuff in if you think you're going to phone it in just don't do it do something else but don't phone in you know what matters here here well that was I love asking that question because everybody gets it, but their own spin on it. And I happen to like, really like yours because it's the whole choice. Take what, take what you were wired, take what, you know, is positive, let go of the rest and, you know, build from there. And you can, you can let go of that wiring. Thank you so much. This is, thank you been super delight and uh, I can't wait for our next conversation because yeah, there's me too. way more we're, we're just getting started but thank you thank you thank you Dr. Gertrude Lyons it's a pleasure to spend time with you and thank you for the work that you do and thank you for this podcast I appreciate thank it thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast as always please rate review and subscribe to mother Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.